Are we counted in? We're, We're counted in. So in. this is the part of the show where we do foreplay and stuff because our listeners have gotten used to that. Yeah, we're just ram- mindlessly rambling. Oh no, wait! I'm normally the listener. <laughs> uh, you know, welcome to unfortunately required reading. I don't usually get to start off the show, but uh, I get to because Jason is my friend first, uh, and apparently I'm a petty child, which is not new information to anyone. <laughs> I am also a petty child. I'm a petty only child. <laughs> As you can probably tell, we have a special guest today. Yeah. Baron oh, Von Cheese Plate rides again. Rides again. <laughs> uh, Jason has decided to join the fray once more. Um, I- I'm and, a glutton for punishment. What can I say? And we let him because he gives us money. Well, and also Victoria, <laughs> Victoria, three months ago in a fit of drunken niceness. I don't know. It was like yes. hey, we should. <laughs> We should have Baron Von Cheeseplate join again. And of course, this I listen to every pod. And as, as soon as I heard it, Amanda was flooded with messages from me. was like, is that true? Or was that the alcohol talking? Like, I think, I don't even think the podcast was cold yet. And just immediately, <laughs> was she lying? Is this true? It's like, lying? She, it's like, first of all, why would she lie about this? Like, not, not to nag us. We're not famous. <laughs> Why would we rebuff something like this? So uh, I feel like we yes. need to warn people up front that for this episode, well, Amanda's drinking rosé, which is mm-hmm. fine. Um, I, again, am drinking mead. Yes. We know what happens when I drink mead, if you've listened to the Beowulf well, episode. Well, and to be fair, to be fair, it's mead from the holiday that just passed, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is Sawin mead, so... And uh, I am trying to teach myself how to make mead, which seems like a horrible plan to everyone involved. So No, I think it's a great idea. The only recommendation I said is sanitize everything because that's how you get botulism. Well not you don't really for me. Botulism. But but it's impossible to do it with meat because it's honey. I mean you can still get botulism with honey. No you can't, not when making mead. If you use the proper yeast and don't do any chemical treatment, you will never get botulism from home brewing mead. Oh, cool. All I know is what I learned. All I know about that stuff is what I learned from um, It's Alive when um, that one cooking show wasn't canceled. Well, the Brad see, Leone. I, I've, I've actually made mead multiple times, so... Oh, well <laughs> Good luck in your endeavors. It's actually a lot of fun. It's just... I'll have you know, that is the only white man, well, actually, that I think I'll ever accept. <laughs> Anyone else, I think, would just get like pecked to death, just feverish pecking. I think any you other an army of ravens already. Yeah, pretty much. Like just any other white guy. That well, actually, I think anyone else would just instantly get pecked to death. This is the only one that I'm like, okay, touche. Like this is it. Well, and she's known. She knows I've made mead, so I think that's probably why. It's like no, this he's actually true. he's actually speaking from a wealth of knowledge. Right, like that. This is it. This is the only time. Also, uh, to the listeners at home and to Tori and to Jason, don't let me buy Royal Donks cookies ever again. I'm re- I'm drinking Royal Donks mead. What are we talking about? Like, I'm just dealing with the fact that there's not uh, sewing supplies in that box. There's no <laughs> sewing supplies yet because there's still cookies in here. I, I like, didn't know yet. Yet, yet with the emphasis. I'm, 
I mean, I have to, but that means I have to eat all the cookies first, which I'm getting very close to. So I legit have not had these in probably at least a decade. And I bought some at the dollar store, which are still here. So I bought a sad dollar store knockoff. These are um, Cambridge and Thames Danish style butter cookies. They taste like ass, but less pleasant somehow. Like, I didn't know that. I mean, leave it to England to take one of the most delicious cookies that has ever existed and turn it into a dust-flavored crouton. Well, considering that cookies are called crisps, I kind of think... They're biscuits. They're biscuits. Well, I think those are... But those aren't biscuits, if I remember correctly, right? They're also from the fucking dollar store, so they're not... I was going to say, you got to take that into consideration. They're also from the fucking Dollar Tree. And did they spell Thames correctly or Tim's correctly? T H A M E S. Okay. Sure. Well, this will definitely least. have sewing supplies in it. Uh, and I'm probably going to turn these into a crust because I'm Southern and this is the only way I know how to get rid of things is poison or baking, sometimes both. Um. <laughs> Where's the lie? It's poison or baking, occasionally both. But these Royal Dom's cookies are the greatest thing. Not yet a sponsor. Not yet a sponsor, but Royal Dom's. If you want to send us some fucking cookies. Jesus Christ, these are the best things I've ever had. And now that I'm older, dipping them in coffee, I was like, it was like full creme de la creme de la Edgar moment of just like savoring these dumb little cookies. I just had this whole image of you with a mouse with a very large yeah, cookie just, dipping it. Just, oh my God. I am so... And I have to pace myself because otherwise this would have been gone yesterday and I'd just be covered in crumbs like a crack whore just laid out covered in crumbs See, and I'm I, trying all, not to do all, that. All I'm picturing is the, the Bugs Bunny meme that just basically says the doctor says I can have one cup of coffee. He did not say what size and it's just that huge yeah. like water tower size cup of coffee. Yeah, it's. It's that and the Carabas pasta. It's like you gave me a loaf of bread. Serving size unclear. Was I not supposed to eat the loaf of bread? You gave you gave me a loaf of bread. Instructions unclear. Was I was I supposed to share this with people? Uh, we're not talking about the book. Uh, welcome to unfortunately required reading for the second time today. We are covering uh, something that involves men doing weird things. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Um, so we're reading, and there are a couple different ways to pronounce the name, <clears throat> but we're reading Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard it pronounced two or three different times through research, and depending on who's reading what audiobook, doing what presentation. Um, I do think it's really funny that this is episode 69 of our podcast, and we're going hey! to be Nice. <laughs> and, and also, and, and men being thirsty. Lots yeah. of thirsty men. Lots of thirsty men. Yeah, um, this is definitely... I did not know that we were on episode 69. Uh, good job, us. Websites. <laughs> good job, us, for making it to 69 episodes. It took us three years. Well, what's, what's funny is I'm on this one. Like, that just makes it feel even weirder. I'm sorry. I'll just throw that no, out there. Like, how did, how, how did I pull this short straw? Like, 68 or 70? at all. I think this is actually, like, the winner's episode. Like, this is... This is fantastic. Everyone wants to get to episode 69. Like, it's a blessed number. We're both old internet trolls from the same place. You should know better by now. 
I mean, sure. I also am still like rolling in the brownie points I earned from the last time I was on the pod when I ended it by deferring everything to you at the end. So this is true. <laughs> this is correct. Uh, so listeners at home, uh, please enjoy the fact that you are probably going to have three severely inebriated hosts by the end of this. Uh, <laughs> I do have emergency water and Caraba's now. Uh, we all- <laughs> We all got emergency water because we're like, I understood the assignment. We all have emergency water. Carabas knows who I am. Also, now when I order lubies, I get a little heart on my to-go tin, which makes me oh. feel like I am a very sad old person. But goddamn it, sometimes you just need a brick of fish. Brick fish is best fish. I really do love a brick of fish every once in a while. Uh, so what prompted us to read this book outside of uh, the man that gives us money saying so? So I have read this book multiple times. Okay. And to be fair and honest Mm -hmm. and a little trolly towards Amanda, but a little anti-trolly towards Victoria, Victoria Mm -hmm. and I both took Brit Lit in college and probably both enjoyed it about equally as much, even though I'm an engineer and could give a French lick about Brit Lit. Normally, but I love Brit Lit, especially Middle English Brit Lit, uh, post-transformational period from 1066 to about the 14th or 15th century. There's a... Battle of Hastings! Sorry. The way that we are about July 4th here is the way that the UK is about the year 1066. So just... It's stupidly important. I mean, last night was bonfire night, and I got to talk about how James was, one, a witch hunter... Two, a bit of a jerk, and three, that he was a flaming homosexual. Well, and also technically a Spaniard. I mean, technically, everyone is kind of a Spaniard back then. (laughs) Technically, a lot of people are kind of Spaniards back then. I did take Britlet in college. It was probably my least favorite after. uh, (laughs) I was going to be like, criticism. Least favorite. (laughs) I. Honestly, doing a literary criticism was my least favorite just because my professor, she was an absolute bitch. Oh. Yeah, Honestly, but that's I more of a professor. Yeah, I, I had a hard time with criticism because I was in like my sophomore year and yeah. I just did not care about Plato. And now I'm an adult and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh my God. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I like <laughs> literary criticism, hence podcast, but I didn't like the professor I had for it. And I think Brit Lit was okay. Mostly because I think the professor I had for it hated it too. And I remember having a great time talking about Christabel and feminism. That was about it. I had a lovely time talking about Christabel and feminism and everything else I have forgotten and wish was on fire. So Milton. Uh, Sure. (laughs) I remember I had a, I had a pastor English class after Mm -hmm. Britlet and the teacher (laughs) would just read us stuff and be like, this is all about love. Love is bullshit. And later I found out that was because the person that her husband who was another professor had cheated with was now an adjunct professor at the school who was teaching on the pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood. And I was also in that class. So if you want to talk drama, UCI was the place to be. I mean, I went to a haunted Catholic school with a cemetery on the ground. So, well, and St. Thomas itself is known for some of its, uh, traditional literature classes because you've also got the university or the 
the uh, museums there in San Antonio. So, yeah, my university had too many priests. Many of them had wrong ideas. Father Elias, I believe, is dead. But fuck you. Uh, what? I fought that I'm man. Sorry, for my a break. Year. This is this is my fault for being way too into like Vikings shit right now. Um, we were watching that show Vikings, and at one point in time, Harleton goes. May he never enter Valhalla. And that's all I can think is you're just going, may he never enter Valhalla. I've been seeing a lot of that. I ended up somehow on Dead Soldier TikTok. I don't know how. Ooh, I think I watched sorry. like one video and I ended up on Dead Soldier TikTok, which is very weird for me because I'm pretty much a military pacifist. Uh, I guess because they see that I'm in Texas. But a lot of it's like, till we meet again in Valhalla, brother. And it's like, that's. You know what? I respect the enthusiasm, but y'all need to calm down. Like, I respect y'all's enthusiasm. That's not even the highest possible level. That's just oh the my highest God. level for warriors. We're never going to talk about this book. Okay. So we're all okay. drinking something. Tori has a short story log that once more, I think, is longer than the text itself. I mean, I did good last time, right? I approve. <laughs> all right. So... This is, if you've seen the movie The Green Knight, just be prepared for everything to be different and just go with it, okay? Um, everyone in Arthur's Court is hanging out. They're part of the whole Yuletide, Christmas, um, 12 Days of Christmas celebration, and they're at New Year's. Mm -hmm. So they're mm -hmm. having a New Year's celebration, but before any feasting for the New Year, Arthur says, I want to hear a story about something amazing that somebody's done. Let's bring this in. And at this point in time, pretty much right on cue, a dude shows up on a horse, walks into the court. He's got an axe in one hand and a thing of holly in the other, as mm -hmm. do. And this guy, no one's seen him before. He's very tall. His horse is huge. He's got a huge beard. He's green. He is completely green. His horse is green. His beard is green. His saddle is green. Everything is green. And he calls himself the Green Knight. I mean, apropos. He says he's got a game for Christmas and he challenges the court in all these puns, all this language. Hey, who's going to give me a blow? And in return, I'm going to give you the same blow next year. Now we're going to talk about how everybody could have gotten out of this whole situation later on in the podcast. But here we go. Anyway, Arthur's upset because the Green Knight starts to mock Arthur because he hasn't said anything. And he's like, why are you quiet? And I see there's notes in here about beard puns, which is true. Yes. And finally, Arthur gets pissed off and he walks forward and <clears throat> touches the axe. And Gawain is like, no, 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 no. This is Arthur is my uncle. This seems like a really bad idea. So he says, you know what? I volunteer his tribute. I'll take this guy on. And he goes forward and he cuts off the Green Knight's head in one blow. Everyone's stunned. They're like, oh, my God, he just severed this guy's head. That's great. Let's go back. And then the Green Knight picks up his own damn severed head holds it up, starts talking, and he's like, cool, I'll see you in a year. And he rides away. He goes, you're going to meet me at this green chapel. Gives no other instructions. Just in a year, you're going to meet me at this green chapel. He leaves, and everyone goes back to being drunk, except Sir Gawain, who's just like, what the, what just happened? Yes. A year goes by. Gawain kind of puts it out of his mind. It's autumn. It's the Feast of All Saints. Um, so right after Halloween. And Gawain is like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm going to ride out and face my fears and, you know, stick to my honor. So he puts on his best armor. It's all custom made. There's, as it's been noted in here, a lot of information on armor. 
and knightly virtues and all yes. the details. It's kind of like watching Voltron or anything where they're like, equip form of such and such. And it like puts on and then like, doo -doo 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 -doo. okay, anyway. Are you um, actually comparing this to Voltron? I need you to pass a nerd check really fast. Is this a road you feel comfortable going down? No, my daughter's obsessed with Voltron and she would kick my button information. Okay, just making sure. I had to make sure that everything was okay. Okay, so he gets on his horse, Grigolay, and they head off towards northern Wales and northwest Britain. So, an area that a lot of people were like, this is the wild. These are the woods. Um, Gawain encounters wild beasts. He ends up being really hungry and cold because winter time in Britain. Um there isn't a whole lot about what's going on with what's happening, what he's seeing, because, you know, people are like, let's just get to the other rest of the story. And one time he decides, you know what, I'm going to pray. I need to find a place to go for mass for Christmas. And he like gets down, he does his prayer and he looks up and there's this castle in the background, which I love in here is the always suspicious castle anthrax much. Which is true, if you've watched Monty Python on the Holy Grail, your brain automatically goes, oh no. Yes, I understand that reference. And everybody welcomes Gwen, and they're like, hey, this is awesome. And as they're sitting there enjoying a meal, there is the Lord's Lady, who is going to be important, and an old woman sitting beside who's mostly covered up. It's a whole thing, but you're like, okay cool, there's this old lady here. Is that going to be important? That is going to be important. Chekhov's old lady. Chekhov's old lady. And um, young lady. <laughs> young lady. Um, I'm probably going to butcher this. It's Bertilak, I believe it is. Um, he strikes a deal with Gawain. He says, hey, I'm here just for the season. I'm going to go hunting. Every day, what I retrieve out, I'll exchange it with whatever you retrieve inside during the day. Gawain's like, I mean, I don't really care. You guys are being nice enough. I'll just chill out here and sleep. This is good. He still has not learned his point about random wagers with strangers. And he goes, okay, I'm just going to go to bed. This is fine. So Bertolette goes out in the morning to go hunting. We don't know this guy's name yet. He's just known as the Lord of the Manor. That's important later. Uh, we get all of these lines about Bertolette hunting, how thirsty for game he is. Intricate details about the animals and things like that. Gawain sleeps late. The morning of the first day, the Lord's wife, who is also thirsty, comes in, gets in Gawain's bed and tries to seduce him um, and gives him this whole speech about, you know, you're supposed to give me a kiss. You know, you're a knight. You're supposed to do what I tell you to do. You're supposed to help me with this. And he's conflicted because he's like, OK, well, I want to honor my host, but I also want to honor my knightly duties. So he goes, fine. And he gives her a kiss. So that night, everybody comes home. There's a doe that uh, Burlick has hunted. And he goes, here you go. And in exchange, Gawain gives him a kiss. We go to the second day. He's hunting a boar, which is much more difficult than a doe. Uh, again, that ties into plot points later. The lady mm -hmm. enters Gawain's chamber and gets two kisses this time, saying, oh, I need more knightliness. Uh-huh, okay, sure. Uh, Gwen gives her the two kisses, then also ends up giving his host later two kisses for the boar's head. We hit day three, and you know that there's going to be a problem, right? Because we've gone to two kisses now. Where can we go from here? We, day three, the Lord is hunting for a fox. The lady gets in three kisses and then says, I need 
a token of your love and affection. And Gawain's like, that's not what I was going for here. And she says, do you have like a ring or a glove or anything you can give me? And he's like, no, no, no. And she goes, well, are you a knight or not? He's like, ah. So she goes, well, fine. You're not going to take anything from me. Let me give you something. And she gives him this wrap from around her waist, which is a girdle. Um, mm -hmm. Not like the granny panty girdles. That's not even close. In this case, it's basically like a strip of cloth. And it's embroidered. And it's green. But it's also covered in like gold thread and all sorts of stuff. And it's supposed to protect the wearer from death. And so he's like, fine. I'll accept this. This is part of my nightly duty. Mm -hmm. And here's the problem. When the host comes back... He obviously gives the three kisses, but he doesn't mention anything about the girdle. And that's kind of weird. Um, Gwen is uh, freaked out because he's like, I did something wrong. I was not honest with my host. I have dishonored my host, but I've honored his wife. Oh my God, I'm just, I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow. I cannot do this anymore. So everyone mm -hmm. goes to bed happy except Gawain, who's like, okay, prep. I'm going to find this green knight. I'm going to face my destiny. So it's New Year's Day again. And Gawain puts on his armor and the girdle and goes off to seek the knight. And a guide comes out and says, here, I'll show you the way to the woods. And when they hit the forest, the guide says, okay, here's the deal. I understand that this seems like a really bad idea. So if uh, I just kind of do this and cover my eyes and you run the other way, I'm never going to know and I'm not going to tell anybody. And Gawain's like, nah, I got to do it. I said I would do it. So he starts to ride off to face things dead on. He comes to a crevice in a rock and he can see through the tall grass in between. He hears a grindstone whirring and he goes, oh, this has got to be the place. The green knight comes out. He is like, okay, you're here. We're going to fulfill the terms of the contract. Gwen presents his neck. The green knight goes to swing. Gwen flinches because somebody is throwing an axe at your head. Anyway, um, Gwen calls out is like i'm sorry you know i'm sorry i'll just i won't flinch next time i'll do it again knight goes in with the axe again and pulls it away he's like uh maybe not but the third time he goes for the blow he just nicks the back of gawain's neck and gawain's like what the hell you were supposed to kill me you were supposed to cut my head off and he just kind of goes <laughs> anyhow we have some stuff to discuss we find out the Green Knight's name is Bertilac de, I can't say it, Holtester, which is the Lord of the Castle he was just at. And he uh, says, Gwen, you didn't exchange all your winnings. Listen, I'm giving you a wounding. That's what this is, this little cut on the back of your neck. And Legit is, Gawain is upset about this. He's like, that's not what the deal was. Mm -hmm. We're like, Gwen, you've proven yourself a worthy knight without equal. Um, you have a mortal soul you came here you faced certain death but you're gonna get this little nick thing here because you weren't completely honest and you didn't follow all the guidelines and all that kind of stuff you find out that the old woman at the court was actually morgan lefay which is gawain's aunt um arthur's half-sister yes that's all confusing on purpose um she actually sent the green knight out and used magic to change his appearance Gawain feels super guilty about lying, so while he is still grateful to be alive, he wears the girl as a reminder of his failures and comes back to court. And when he gets there, all the knights begin to wear these kind of green girdles to show their support and the fact that they are all human. 
And so it, ends like, it ends like all Middle English with a giant amen. Amen. Um, you, Amanda, you reading me? this, how many times were you like, white girl, stay out of the basement? It wasn't a lot of white girls stay out of the basement. It was just, I think this reminds me of why I hate British literature. Because I don't understand why this is a story. Don't go chopping random people's heads off. Just like don't fuck with people. That mead was likely involved. I, I don't care. The most thing that I've destroyed whilst drunk on mead is a podcast and then later nachos. And a trough of carabas? A fucking trough of pasta. Stop serving me food in troughs. I feel like an animal. A very bougie animal. We have a lot of themes and symbols. I, I think we frankly have too many themes and symbols. Because like, mind you, the only place where this stuff matters to me is I have three points of reference for this shit. <laughs> it's Game of Thrones, Monty Python, <laughs> and Etrigan the Demon from DC Comics. <laughs> These first two, I was like, yeah, I'm with you. The last one, I'm like, what? <laughs> Jason understands the third one. I, I do. I also have read Lamort the Arthur, like, 500 times so you know like the only three data points I that i really you. have for this shit are game of thrones and monty python and then etrigan the demon none of this stuff has ever been anything that interests me uh i guess in the weird way that uh you know how some girls are horse girls i was never like a ooh knight in shining armor ooh. i was more interested in the things that knights use to stab each other not a sexual simile uh I'm glad that you, you shared that, that there was not a sexual simile. <laughs> I mean, there had to be some, because I know a little bit about the Teutonic Knights, and they definitely had some sexual similes. They weren't supposed to, but they did. I mean, a lot of these people weren't supposed to have sexual Anything. implications, but they did. All right, are we Let's ready to go into these themes and symbols? Yeah. All right. We talk a lot a lot about knightly virtues yes about things that you should be looking for and i'm not gonna lie i actually wrote them down farther down because they tie into many things so considerations for friendship fraternity joining together being fraternal um purity politeness which kind of ties back into hospitality and pity for those who are um, lesser than you or, or not as strong and all that kind of fun stuff. So, so every night is running a holiday in. Technically, they're supposed to be, but are they really? No. Okay. Well, they're, um, they're, they're supposed to be like the better of the best and or potentially landed gentry because they can't, they could end up becoming lords and ladies themselves. Well, lords. They have <laughs> transgender knights, can't we? I mean, a scanner darkly a knight... <laughs> Yes. Like, we can definitely have transgender knights. I'm not going to limit what a knight can or can't be in that regard. That's not my place. <laughs> so who's ready to talk about sex? Yeah. I look to Amanda. Uh, <laughs> so Usually I'm very eager to talk about sex. This is boring. <laughs> we have sex versus lust. Temptation versus romance. Mm -hmm. So... Everybody, please feel free to jump in. But this is a whole test 
of Gawain's morality, of his mm-hmm. virtues. Um, success is good fortune. He moves forward. He gets to live. Failure probably means death, which is probably why he's so tied up in his own damn head. I can't. Sure. I can't. Uh, not giving you things. Uh, you're trying to give me rings, and I, I did. girdle. Final. Take the girdle. Well, and and I mean to be fair, especially with the lust and temptation, like the whole thing, like the whole middle section, like literally Bertilac when he's out hunting, like the author goes into great details about the hunt, and then kind of slyly implies that the wife of Bertilac. Uh, Lady de Hotset, um, which is a portmanteau. Uh, if if you read the uh, Boroff version, she actually does a pretty good job in the end notes of like describing what that name means and how it kind of is derived for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the important thing there was like the wife is equally trying to sl- or trying to slyly imply like she is chasing Gawain around like prey. And like trying to test him and basically test his defenses. And each time she's like, you're pretty good. But like, you know, if you were a better knight, you would have like found this loophole and basically kind of like prods him a little. But she is very, very like. If you watch the movie, it's kind of implied as to what's going on. It better, I think, than in the book. So she's kind of like a Harvard Law professor, but with temptation. Let me find this loophole. I was just gonna let you have that. I'll I'll, I'll see. You I was just gonna let you have that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does feel analogous to a hunt, uh, but I guess like not in a way that is interesting at all, uh, because we're also probably dealing with a lot of like courtly love and shit like that, where. Anything that isn't missionary with the lights off for procreation is sodomy and ergo is bad. Well, it, it's also there. There's not just that, but there's also the whole idea of like um, with it, with regards to this, like the the author spends a lot of time on like and we'll get into this when we talk about the author. But like the knightly virtues were clearly very, very important to mm-hmm. uh, them. But to the point of like, they spend a lot of time on even simple things like one of the nightly virtues is cleanliness, like, yes. and not in the cleanliness of like, just keeping your shit clean and, mm-hmm. and, you know, that sort of stuff, but like having a clean and pure soul and Gawain, like, if you've read any of the Arthurian legend stuff, like he is supposed to be the, the basically the best of the best. He is the purest of the pure knights. And in fact, like, it's even like in our modern day time and text, it's almost supposed that he would have been asexual or he was not interested in, there, there was no interest in like worldly loves. It was like, he was so pure, mm-hmm. like he had no time for women. It was like, no, I'll honor them like chastely. Like he was so pure. He was ultra chaste. Like if you go I don't to- know if I feel comfortable analogizing like dogmatic chastity to asexuality. But in this case, like if you go back and like read how he's interacted and how they talk about him, and especially in this book, but also in other texts that sure. reference Gawain, he like he he never marries. 
uh, any ladies that he ever interacted with, he was basically so socially awkward around or didn't really know how to handle. And they, okay. they kind of, yeah. So like, there is like reasons to believe that maybe if, I mean, the Arthurian tales are half myth, half legend. Anyway, sure. We do know we do know Uther Pendragon existed. Like, there's actual historical fact and mm -hmm. records of him existing. But mm -hmm. Arthur and Merlin are kind of like suppositional half myth, half legend, but maybe. Yeah, he was just a crazy man in the woods. I guess what I'm getting at is, I mean, like, I've met this guy. It's called someone in Catholic school. I've met <laughs> this guy. It's called a middle schooler in Catholic school because we're taught that all of this is bad. So I think like that was the only place where I was backpedaling a little bit is just because I don't want to necessarily reduce asexuality to being on the same level as religious dogma because dogma can do all of these things. Trust me, like I said, I've met this guy and then later probably have had sex with him outside because they realize that all this stuff is bad and stupid and it doesn't make sense and boobs are great. Um, so is this the awkward time where I point out that there are actually scholars who have a homosexual reading of this? Yeah. Story? I don't think that's awkward. I think that's brilliant. Like, I don't understand. So you guys know this, and listeners probably know this as well, is that I'm, I'm a very, very old uh, fanfic writer. And one of the things that fanfic writers usually get a hard time for is, well, how you guys just like making it gay. There's no reason why this relationship is gay. It's like, look at all of the subtext and context. Look at how much time these guys are spending with each other. Look at how they talk to each other. Look at how they act around each other. We've, we have not seen a female lead in 45 minutes. Like, and that, yeah, like I could definitely read a gay take on this just because, yeah, I'm sorry that I stomach a bunch of straight het guys just roaming around caring a lot about their cleanliness and shit. Without there being a little bit of, you know, as long as the socks are on and your balls don't touch, it's not gay. Those are the rules. No eye contact, socks must be on, no balls touching. Otherwise, it's completely straight. Well, and, and like, well, hmm? but like twice in the book, like Gawain seeks out, like he wants to have ma the, the Christmas mass and then suddenly Cathal yes. Lanzarx appears. Like, I mean, you could almost read this as Crassel Dracula showing up in the mist. Like, I mean, it's almost that, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's so like, like anybody who's seen, uh, <laughs> seen, uh, Monty Python or seen Dracula, like that is basically it. It's like, he goes down to pray and suddenly mm -hmm. castle, <laughs> like, uh, Which don't go in there. I don't like that's what I'm talking like don't do that. That sounds so irresponsible to me. Especially when you show up and they're like, Oh, you have great timing. The master's only here this week. Well, well done. Well, not just that, but everybody was like, Oh, we've heard about you. And he's like, Well, how come I haven't heard about you? And everybody's like, Eh, don't dwell too much on it. It'll you'll you'll figure it out later. Like, let it go. And, 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 let and me introduce you to everyone, but this crone-like figure in the corner that's mostly covered up and not communicating with you in any way, shape, or form. Well, but the author also spends a lot of time on like how like the the new young hot thing will eventually become the old young the old old thing. Which there is also another reading of this that the young hot thing is also the same thing as the old thing because Morgan Le Fay was a witch and was known to do these sorts of aging de-aging because she slept with Merlin and also slept with Arthur like sorry but that's 
that's two for two in the Arthurian legend. Like, you slept with both Merlin and Arthur. Good on you. Like, yeah. And according to DC Comics, she's also the mother of Clary and the Witch Boy. I mean, like that's Morgan Lefay can do whatever she wants, and I will not accept slander of her. She's amazing. No, she is amazing. She is one of one of the coolest people out of Arthurian legend. But she was also like, you know, kind of also a little, just a little gross. I mean, as author and legend, I think everyone was a little gross. Well, but also, too, like, we didn't mention it in short story long, but, like, Gawain, especially after he receives the girl, is basically, like, having a crisis of confidence to the point of he literally seeks out a random priest after the meal and basically is like, I need to seek forgiveness now. Like, I have to confess now and basically, like, gets on his knees and we assume the priest, like, just benedicts him and gets him on his way. But knowing Gawain, he's probably more, like, on his knees for a while. <laughs> that sounded dirty. I was waiting for Amanda there. I was waiting. <laughs> I, was, I was setting it up. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to serve back. I mean. Thank you. I was like, I could see you, like, preparing to, like, hit it over and, like, wait for it. Okay. I mean, I guess. Also, confession is not fun. I talked about this on my other show, but, like, I don't understand people who, like, romanticize, like, confession. Do you have any idea how hard it would be to get dicked down in one of those little rooms? I mean, if they have the slot for it, it's perfectly able. That, But that's called a glory hole. We don't talk about that. Yeah, that's called a glory hole. We don't, we don't use it for that. The only glory that you should be receiving is the glory of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and from what I know, that's not analogous. Oh. As, as Amanda, are you also, uh, can you also give the benediction? Yeah, I know. I mean, I blessed water at Tori's party for as a party trick. So yeah, I, I, I have too much power. Yes, I can also do the benediction. I, I blessed bread... I, I know the church. Like I'm a Lutheran, and I literally all I had to do was take a class on it and sign a certificate, and my pastor signed it, and I was like, "Okay, now you can also give the benediction and give communion." And I'm like, "Oh, I can marry people because I did that for cosplay." <laughs> I mean, you and I can both marry people because of our online community. I was gonna say the Universal Life Church. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, that too, but like, yeah, I have a certificate. I can legally marry people because I did this for cosplay. It is the deepest cosplay cut that anyone has ever done. But I can marry people for the sake of cosplay. Um, I believe this about you. There's like no doubt there. That's just a you thing. I think we should probably move on to some other... We could spend all day talking about this with Gawain, but yeah. Okay, uh, so do we... We talked about hunting and thirsting. Uh, do we want to talk about just the utter mindfuck that is Middle English? If you hear it spoken aloud, it makes a lot more sense. It's very verbal storytelling, and this book is meant to be told that way, which is why mm -hmm. I personally like the Boroff translations, because she mm -hmm. basically does the alliterative storytelling and matches meter, which is mm -hmm. why, like, there's a, there's a version of the Boroff one that literally has her translated version with the original one sitting next to it. So you can almost read it line for line, which is a great version to have. Like if you have to have this for like schoolwork or classwork, if you want a modern English to go with the 
Middle English. This is not Old English. This is Middle English. Like that has to be understood here. But even mm -hmm. back in this day, like 13th, 14th century, when this was transcribed, it was verbally transcribed. So this has an oral storytelling tradition, and that has to be understood first and foremost. So this was taught and passed down just like Canterbury Tells, even though we know who the OG author of Canterbury Tells is. It's a verbal storytelling thing. Yeah, and, and, it, and it is important to talk about, you know, that this is an oral tradition because it also then leads into, like, in uh, inconsistencies with the storytelling and with the narrative. Because, of course, if you're passing down a story, things are going to get changed. And it probably feels a lot like how a lot of people now read some of the Greek tragedies and stuff like that, that different tellers of the story will place different emphasis on things. Or, like, the modern Bible, where different translations of the Bible really key in on certain things being bad, while others don't talk about it at all. And then you have the non-canonical text, which is just here to melt your brain and make you be afraid of angels. Well, even... It, how, even like, the Icelandic sagas are the same. Like, there are differences in the Norwegian versions and the mm -hmm. Swedish versions. And even and with the Danish versions. The Danish versions, you're going to try to get into Germany. Finland is like, what the hell are you guys talking about? So anyway, sorry, I live right near, near an Air Force base. Well, the, the, yeah, the, uh, the other thing, too, with the text, and this is a direct thing of the text, you can see this here in the oral storytelling tradition, is like there are multiple times where the author literally says, like, I can't tell you more because it would tax my wits, which is basically shorthand for I don't remember the next part. So I'm just going to move on to the part I do remember. Can I just uh, start doing that in like in daily life? It's like I could yeah. tell you more, but it would tax my wits, and it's just like fuck off. <laughs> not the TikTok thing of I could I could go on and I yeah. will go on. Let's yes. not <laughs> Yeah. Like, can I just start saying that in day to day existence just to be? Because I'm, I'm, I would almost guarantee like that middle section, especially the part where it just skips over. Which again, if you watch the movie great on you but it actually kind of goes in like it uses that storytelling gap of like okay let's do some cool visual effects here and give like some sort of weird ass fever dream but basically like my guess is the text was originally longer or the oral mm -hmm. storytelling tradition was originally longer and had a lot of his because it was not uncommon for knights periodically i mean you even see this with like don quixote like he's going to have his challenges and he's going to be faced with them throughout. But basically it's like, I don't really remember that part and it's not really important to the story I'm trying to tell. So I'm just going to fluff it off and go just keep moving on. But I'm going to describe an excessive detail about this green Knight's beard, like 20 lines of just beard. I mean, sometimes you gotta, sometimes you just, gotta add some flourish into the story where it's not necessary our first book was literally nothing but flourish it's called watership down <laughs> well then in the storytelling tradition as well a lot of times these kind of stories would be told at things like yule or uh, winter celebrations or even mm -hmm. just being locked up through the winter because you couldn't really go outside because you were gonna freeze to death and you were kind of hanging out inside and trying to keep the kids entertained hey guys let's all sit down I'm going to tell you the story about this mm -hmm. night we're going to go through. I heard this when I was a kid from my grandma who heard it from mm -hmm. her grandma or mm -hmm. grandfather. And it goes through. And that's why you also see a lot of Celtic tales and a lot of Welsh tales, and even a lot of Russian tales 
that are missing now or huge sections are gone because it was like, well, if I remember correctly, it happened here. And I don't know why this happened, but this happened. Like that's, <sighs> Which it's is kind why, of like listening to your family stories. It Which is. is why like I will give the Grimm brothers a crap ton of credit because they literally went around and basically like, this is important and this is dying. So let's write it down while we can. Let's go to the old Mimos who still remember these stories as best they can, even though they probably have dementia and are making it even more horrifying than, than what they need to. But we're going to write this shit down and record it for posterity, which good on them. Because, I mean, otherwise we would not have half the Germanic and Rhine River storytells that mm -hmm. we have. And honestly, and I hate to give Romans credit, but a lot of the traditions and stories from the UK were really only kept because the Romans had a writing system. And well, okay. So no, I'm going to defend ancient Rome for a little bit. You can't hate the player for being good at the game. Well, but, well so the Celts did have a writing system. It was you should just, understand it. It was just not, well, it was not really understood by the common folk or the gentry. It was really mm -hmm. only the Druids who had way too much power. And, and way too many drugs. Well, no, they they actually were not as drug addled as some people want. Like the modern day Druids, sure, they like eating those fancy mushrooms. But the old ones okay. probably avoided those mushrooms. This is true. And, I, unless, acknowledge, and, I acknowledge. And, unless it was uh, um, Samhain or one of the, like, the important holidays where it was important to get more in touch with the elements by getting you're supposed to have divination practices yeah <laughs> yeah um well like let's find out how the harvest is gonna go next year what do we need to plant in spring are we all going to die and be attacked in our sleep mm -hmm. well or or especially like at at the the big ones like midsummer like midsummer is like if they didn't get high and look at what they had to harvest and figure out like how bad was the winter going to be like Sure, they were guessing, but some of these older druids knew what they were talking about, but we're not talking about the book. We're talking about cool old Roman and English and Celt. Yeah, it's not as much fun. Uh, so we get to talk about the importance of having Roman roots because I was almost a classics major. <laughs> but I, I think the, the other thing that's important here, and it does tie back into that Celtic tradition, is death and rebirth. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talked a lot about the seasons. It's even talked about in the book. Actually, the movie does a decent job here with the stupid puppet play and having the little wheel of seasons. Um, I mean, Victoria, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was probably the one, maybe second element of the movie that was actually portrayed accurately. Pretty much. Yeah, a lot, a lot of it was, we can't, I feel like it was, we can't make a full movie of this and keep it A24. So what we're going to, and just for anybody who doesn't know, A24 is the um, the group that made the movie, the production company. So they make things like the movie Midsommar. They make things like Heredity. They make horror movies and a lot of things where it's very visually stunning and it takes from certain source materials, but it does its own thing. So there is an entire couple sequences that don't exist anywhere in the text, aren't in anything that's associated with it whatsoever it's just this seems visually stunning but then they do have that uh traditional season kind of wheel thing of like hey we're going to show you the passage of time without wasting a bunch of money and acting and we're just going to show you with a little puppet show 
And it's cool to watch. It kind of reminds me a little bit about the intro credits of Dracula. Uh, that I think it's the 94, mm-hmm. 93 version. Um, the Francis Ford couple, if anybody cares. It, it's that whole, we're going to tell you a whole story with just some brief, cheap visuals. Because this is probably what you would have been, how you would have been told. Um, I well, did appreciate and- that it wasn't super Punch and Judy. It was very like, look at this back the shadow kind of work that we're doing. Well, and, and not just that, but the other thing the movie also did was, like I said, when we, when the, when the author says all this shit happened, but it, to tell it would tax my wits. Yes. Like a 24 actually kind of basically said, well, you talked about him fighting giants or seeing giants, uh, grave robbers and dealing with the forest. So like they actually put those elements in, which was a nice touch, but it was like very much like, you either needed to be high on something, drunk on something, or have taken magic mushrooms, or probably all three. For Ooh. like, yeah, yeah, it, the- it was it was intense. It was intense, and I was very happy because my husband was like, "I know you want to watch this movie. I have no interest in it." I said, "No problem. I'll watch it myself." And I'm like, "You dodged a bullet there." <laughs> <laughs> I watched it because I actually wanted to see it. I had heard mixed reviews, but most of it was like be either high on something or understand you're watching an A24 film. And I was just yeah. like, well, and I, I really like, uh, I really like the lead actress a lot. Like she's been in Tomb Raider. She was in the man from uncle. Um, I'm drawing a blank on her name right now, but like, she's a really good actress. And Congrats like, on being one of five people who has anything nice to say about the man from uncle. <laughs> I mean, it had Henry Cavill. It did have Henry Cavill. And he was hot in it. That's a nice thing to say. See, look. Well, like, Uh, no. It was one of those movies that, like, it came out, I think, like, right after Kingsman. And everyone was like, what is this cheap Kingsman knockoff? And it's like, it kind of is a Kingsman knockoff, but it also kind of isn't a Kingsman knockoff. (laughs) Because it came first. It was a 60s and 70s show. And, like, there's actual legitimate history here. for So for them to remake it and actually remake it pretty well... Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's it's one of those, like, long story to issues with, like, adaptations and stuff where, like, you've seen adaptations rip it off so many times that it feels unoriginal. And I think, like, honestly, just the timing of it screwed it over. I think if it had came out any time before Kingsman, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But it decided to come out right after Kingsman. So everyone was like, I see what you did there. This is a Kingsman knockoff. And it's like, so no. is the actress Alicia Vikander? Yeah, the one who's married to my uh, Fassbender. I will tell you all, too, that if you watch a lot of A24 movies, you will see the same actors over and over. We have Like Dev Patel. From- yeah. yeah. He, he, he is definitely, when he's bearded, he's hot. When he's not bearded, he's not. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's a lot of guys, though. I, I don't a, know. It's a whole concept. It's actually a... Um, they've, they've done a lot of studies, a lot of scientific studies about how the beard kind of makes women think that they're more, um, what are you laughing about? It's a, it's a fucking genetic shit. Huh? fucking scientist. <laughs> but here's the thing, like, the Chris's are better unbearded than bearded. I'm just going to throw that out there. But there's only one bad Chris. I mean, we're going to have arguments, I think. Who's the but bad we're really Chris? not. Who's the bad Chris? Pratt. Mm. Chris Pratt. <laughs> mm. He's the worst Chris. You guys are going to fight, aren't you? We are. We're going to fight. 
Proud as Should I just get the sound effect from Gravity Falls of Grunkle Stan? Fight! Fight! <laughs> no, just cue up the Mortal Kombat theme. Okay, so the importance of yeah, having Roman roots. The Romans did do a lot of cool shit, and uh, people don't like them for that. In all fairness, they were also kind of trash. Well, but they... Sorry, well, but they were also the reason, like, England was actually kind of relevant. Bath. <laughs> well, no, not just Bath, but, like, know, the but Roman it's... roads. Like, I know. actually London. Like, otherwise, otherwise, the capital of England would probably still be at Canterbury or Carthage or uh, any other place other than London. This is true. Because London true. was technically a swamp, but then the Romans came in and said, let's build an aqueduct and drain yeah, this water off. And now we have a city. And now the Thames doesn't flood. <laughs> and all and all the Englishmen were like, witchcraft. Yeah, it's also why uh, during the Tudor period, malaria was endemic. And systemic. Okay, they weren't like sicking mosquitoes on people to be racist. Like they weren't doing. They, they weren't they didn't have little mosquito guns that they were like dousing on the poor they didn't do but it was still a swamp and they built the poor district still- over a swamp i think it's kind of systemic to the building and, and kind of development of london if you, you live read- in a, you live in gentrification the county well i well no technically i live in fort bend county so i'm still in old trash USA, the devil's asshole or armpit, depending on who you talk to. I think that's way too much credit for an asshole. I'll say armpit. I mean, at least we don't bleach it down here. There's nothing wrong with that feminism. Uh, (laughs) Do you want to talk about medieval games? Uh, I do. uh, Yeah, I think it's time to move on. Can I talk about the beheading game? Yes! It's called murder. So, first and foremost, you gotta know that a lot of this story is stolen from other tales. Um, It shows up in... The beheading game shows up in Irish literature first. Um, There is a feast. This guy shows up. um, And it's very similar to what we have here. Here's the thing. We have a beheading game? All, All that they ask for, all that the Green Knight asks for, is a blow. He comes in with holly and an axe. He doesn't say, I need you to cut my head off. He Mm -hmm. says, you give me a blow, and a year from now, I will give you the same blow. So if Arthur hadn't lost his shit, and Gawain had had any time to think about it, he could have taken the holly and wrapped the guy on the head, and all of that BS would have been taken care of. So this is supposed to be a game. It's not supposed to be a battle of strength. It's not supposed to be a killing blow. He's mm-hmm. supposed to show his honor by not taking the life. Or mm-hmm. if he does decide to take a life, he's going to lose his life. So in this beheading game that shows up in Irish literature, you're supposed to use your wits. You're not supposed to use a blunt force X. Okay? And that's something that's fascinating to me is it's these these different games played at holidays that are designed to make people think. Now, mm-hmm. we also know that um, Morgan Le Fay has been part of this. So she knows Arthur. She knows Arthur's family. She knows how this is going to go down. So mm-hmm. she makes sure that he has that axe, 
that's a lot bigger than that little sprig of holly. Well, not so. just that, but also Morgan was trying to, before Arthur could have a child or do anything, I mean, throughout all these stories, even though, like, Gawain is not technically an Arthurian tale, like, let's clear the air here, it, it, it is wrapped up into the Arthurian logic because yeah. of what it covers, but it is decidedly different from and completely removed from any Arthurian tale. And a lot of people don't recognize that out of the gate. They're like, oh, it's Arthur's court, like the night's round. And in fact, the, like the author talks about like the table setup and about like there was no freaking round table. Like it was there was the high table, which it even goes into like Gawain for the first time is like being honored at the high table because he's the king's nephew. And like that's actually where his place should be, not like amongst the commoners down like. Like, she even talks about, like, references Hogwarts. Like, if you've seen any of, like, the feasting tables, like, you have the four long tables or four long rows, and then you have the high table. Like, the mm -hmm. whole point was basically for this guy to ride in, be completely strange to everybody, which is why no one recognized him and were, like, flabbergasted. Like, Morgan knew what she was doing, and she was like, if I do any sort of, like, just picking at those scabs of like, especially Arthur, because let's be honest, he married Guinevere just because, and like kind of irrationally did stuff that don't, doesn't make a lot of sense when you go back and look at our Arthurian stuff. Mm -hmm. Like he was an irrational and kind of hot-headed man. He just had a lot going for him. But, I mean, that's kind of Sir Burton's job when you read Lamort to Arthur and some of the other Arthurian stuff. It's like, let's make this hot-headed, irrational guy actually seem a bit sane, but... You also known as all of history written by white men. <laughs> or, or white women. That, Some that white women. Fair. Southern white fair. women. No, English white women. They're not Southern yet. True, but like... I know what the Sisters of the Confederacy have done to the Alamo. Well, we're not talking about Texas. We're talking about Middle English here. and Really noted. All right. So we still have approximately 60,000 symbols, and I only have so much wine. <laughs> so how deep do we want to go in to questionable fashion choices? And then there was just silence. Well, I mean, so Helpful. the girdle is kind of important. There's a whole thing on the post-text entry after the whole... I've got it here. Hold on. Literally at the end of the Ani Soket Quimau Pence. Uh, Amanda will probably have to do the Latin translation or actually read the Latin on that better than I can. She's the classics major here. I am not. I'm just a lowly engineer. I've also uh, had a lot of rosé, so... <laughs> but basically, a lot of people say that that Latin line was added after because it talks about the uh, Order of the Garter, which was started sometime in the 13th or 14th century. It was actually not really an Arthurian thing, but people wanted to tie it back to it because it made them seem like old-school knights. Like, here, look at us. We're actually honorable while we beat down the common folk. Yeah, also, there's probably something in there about, like, something, something, holding back lust, something, something, symbol of femininity. 
something something royal colors house tyrell let's go next symbol pentangle the pentangle which is really fun because this ties back into beliefs created by or supposedly created by solomon king solomon um for helping bind demons and as well as showing protection and different things like that so we get a lot of people who are like oh well that's just straight paganism i'm like you got to take that up with the jews anyway listen they know they know and they're over I'm trying to do some serious PR over here it's like we don't have to do anything well not not just that but also like a lot of people will say well this is where it also ties into satanism because the pentangle typically is point down not point up it's a star (laughs) but like literally the author spends like 400 lines on like how it is bound together and it's supposed to be interwoven and all this stuff and it's like and how it's it all just a goddamn supports. star. <laughs> yeah, all the values yeah. come together, and if any one of those fail, all five will fail. That whole thing. Five today, wounds of Christ, today and drunk five Amanda. Of the Virgin Mary. Yeah. It's like today and drunk Amanda. It's a fucking star. <laughs> On the inside too is um, the Virgin Mary, which if you want to get into some old Yahweh traditions about like Asherah and the Queen of Heaven concept, you're going to have a long day. Long year. No, you'll have a good day. Anyway, it's very interesting. It's it's going to be a lot of information. There's a book called When God Had a Wife. And if you want to get into all of that, I recommend starting there. There's uh, also a book too that I have, have a about crisis of faith. Yeah. Um, Stop trying to make everyone have a crisis of faith because you're going through one. Okay, so anyway, this is the first <laughs> official recorded usage of the word pentangle in English, supposedly supposedly and that's a big supposedly supposedly because we'll get into this later on in the author but like this story was basically lost to time for a long ass time Mm -hmm. like 400 plus years lost like no one knew it existed until some guy went into his attic and said oh look at this random collection of books and shit i have let me give it to the uh london library and they're like you realize you've got this old ass like manuscript, right? And he's like, eh. So like, because it's been dated and found with other text, it's like, okay, cool. This is pretty old, and we can date it. But there's some supposition that some of this could be misconstrued. But yeah. We have some color symbology with green, of course, being good until it is not. A lot of cultures, including the Celts, do consider it a bad color, uh, being associated with rot and death, also with Slytherins. Red for blood and royalty and divinity, also some vague Jesus symbolism. Blue for House Aaron being pure, but also bad and stupid, but also chasteness. Trying to wrap this shit up. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of rings mentioned in this. Uh, there's a red ring that's tried to be given at one point in time. At this point in time, they were often considered to have talismanic principles. So it was an idea that this was usually something of protection or to do something for the wearer. Yes. Well, and not so just that, but this was in. at this time, this was also when like the tradition of giving like your betrothed a ring was a thing. So like- Is um, that no longer a thing? Well, but like, this is the origin point of it. Oh, so like, 
So like her, like so the the lady, uh, lady hot does it asking for a ring or some bauble. Like she treats it as like some bauble, but really she's like, take me away from this place, claim me as your wife, which should be a lot of subtext and undertone there of like I'm really not married to this dude over here. This is just other stuff going on. So it should have been a thousand red flags to Gawain. It kind of was, kind of wasn't. <laughs> and also a hot woman said she was DTF, so I'm not really hearing a problem. Do we have time well, for was, numbers? Well, so, I mean, I, I just want to <laughs> answer Amanda's thing there of like, there's reason to suggest that the hot version was also Morgan Le Fay testing Gawain. Still not seeing a problem. Let's talk about numbers very briefly. I mean, that's basically his aunt. Listen, there was a lot <laughs> of weird stuff going on during those times. That is the tip of the iceberg as far as weird shit that was going on during those times. I'm not saying it's acceptable. I'm just saying that it was a part of the reality. Numerology, let's go. So obviously three is important because of the Trinity and a lot of things within the Judeo-Christian Bible. Yes. Yes. Five also being important because of the five virtues, the five. Anyway, we can move on. Wounds of Christ, five blessing or joys of Mary. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, the An outward orgasm scar. not being one. Yeah. Outward scar. This is really important. Um, the reason that uh, Gawain is left with a scar is at this point in time, outward scars were supposed to be signs of inward sin, which we all know was bullshit, but still. Uh, the neck is associated with the will. It connects the head, reason, to the heart, courage. So it was that thing in the middle of his will was not strong enough to be fully truthful. There. Um, I don't know Very that we good. have time to go into all of the ways of paganism versus Christianity in this. Uh, the A24 movie does a lot in this regard. Yes. know that holly that's held up by the green knight that became a symbol of christ it was originally a symbol of fertility and eternal life thought to have magical powers um the sharp leaves are supposed to symbolize the thorns borne by christ and the berries mm -hmm. his blood when it was moved over please keep in mind that a lot of the traditions and celebrations that we have towards the end of the year were adopted by the christian church when doing work to go ahead and convert everybody in the region. They figured it was easier to have a party and go with what was going on before and then make it a Christ thing versus trying to like get rid of everybody. Well, Absolutely. And, and in one text or in one reading, I think it's the one of the translations when the Green Knight throws down that holly, it basically sprouts up and grows. So like there's that whole like idea of like, if you take the honorable way out it will lead to a rewarding life but you know no one re realizes that they take the axe something i, I mean, do want to bring yeah. up is um, the story of push um which is p y or w y l l it's welsh just go with it um anyway at one point in time he pisses off one of the rulers of the dead um by chasing <laughs> off his horse or his uh dogs from a, a stag and putting his own in um, and to remove that discourtesy, he has to spend time in the underworld with Arwen's wife, which is hysterical because he will not touch her. He's very chaste and responsible. And, you know, she's trying to do her wifely duties every night. And he's like, no, no, no. Um, when he comes back the next year, she goes, it's really weird. You haven't touched me for like a year and now you're into this. And he's like, that's my bro. Um, so that's another place that a lot of this stuff may have come from. And 
Bam. Okay. Also, don't steal people's hunts. Like, that's not... It's discourtesy! <laughs> to be fair, yeah, it's also just... in the land of the dead. It's... Wales is confusing. Wales is confusing. Now, you guys have talked a lot about author and tech, so I'm gonna sit back and order lunch while you do that. <laughs> So, Tori, do you want to start, or do you, or should I? I defer um, to you here. I will start because I have a feeling you're going to have a lot to say about this, and I am down. Um, we don't actually know who wrote this. There are a lot of theories. For a while, there was a thought that it might be Chaucer, but almost every source is like, nah, that's not a Chaucer thing. Keep in mind, this did come out about, the, or was supposedly written about the same time as Canterbury Tales, which Amanda hates. Anyway, this is just something to keep in mind because we tend to read this story and be like, oh, it's a very, very ancient story. It's a lot newer than you think. Um, the author we know wrote additional work because it was all kind of put together in the same text. Um, and I know that you have a lot to say about that being at the British Library. So I'm gonna let you take over now. So, so he this this is part of the Cotton Nero AX collection. It was recently discovered. Uh, what was it like 1876 or 18? It was in the 18 late 1800s when it was like uncovered and discovered. And people were like, "Oh, look at this cool piece of old Middle English literature. We should <clears throat> probably publish this." And people were all excited. It was like it was well put together. Um, there's other thoughts, and this goes back to where some of the theories go of who the author is. Um, because it was all written in a similar style, and there's one other reference material, but it can't be connected because some of the language doesn't match up. Um, but there's like reasons to believe like uh, he, this author may have written a fifth work, but again, that's suppositional at this point. There's no actual proof. Um, but he wrote Pearl, Sir Gawain, Patience and cleanliness. Cleanliness wasn't um, part of the original Cotton Nero uh, text. It was part of it, but it was technically separate. They didn't find it that one until later. It was bound back to it because it was. It basically read almost exactly like Patience. And if you look at the four titles, they're basically four of the five knightly virtues. Um, he's this author is simply known as the Gawain poet or the Pearl poet, and the the surviving copy, the only copy we have on record, comes from this one source. Which normally you would think alarm bells and stuff, but like it's on the right parchment, it's got the right ink dating, it's got the right carbon dating, so we're reasonably sure that it's legit work. Um, is in the British Library. It's stored in the same place where Beowulf is stored and where uh, the first edition misprinted Alice in the UK is stored, which, yay. Also a place that I would hate to be around if anyone had a beverage. Uh, oh, everything's locked up. Oh, I know. It's, I just, I love thinking about <laughs> things like that where it's like the one person who has like a bottled water. It's just like evaporation. Well, for me, I would more enjoy being in the Black Library at the Vatican, but that wing of the British Library is super cool. Also, the uh, Radcliffe camera at Oxford and the Bodleian Library, second floor, third rack, fourth shelf, I think. Um, the, the Radcliffe camera on the top floor 
up by the circular window that you can see from the outside, there's actually a whole section on vampires and werewolves. Check it out if you're ever in Oxford. Yeah, if you're just casually going to Oxford. Um, we got our car keyed in Oxford. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's why you always check to make sure that your insurance actually covers it or you buy the additional insurance. Da -da -da. Um, so, linguistically, um, for a long time there has been debate um, because a lot of this is technically considered to happen in Wales. But the way that it's written linguistically is it's from a northerner or a midlander. Um, mm -hmm. England. So, uh, and definitely this person had experience with reading French romances and history with Latin. Yes. So. Which, would uh, be, which would be kind of common, but not super common. Right. Uh, he was also more than likely there is some reason like a lot of people thought for a short time but it's been since discounted um that this might have been written by a lady uh but considering the text and the fact that it's i don't think it's illuminated but we we have reason to believe that it was written by a scribe in the church um so it was probably verbally told it's highly unlikely that a lady would tell it to a scribe um, so it's part of the landed gentry because only they would have access to scribes and mm -hmm. they were well-educated and well-versed in like certain normal common uh, parlances of the day like hunting and which is why the author spends a lot of time on the hunting sequences. Um, also because it's probably a veiled sexual metaphor. Uh less so than you might think because they don't spend a lot of time on the stabbing it's more on the pursuit and the cleaning so neat um all right anything else on said author who we don't technically know exists well we know they existed it's just in what capacity perhaps it was ancient aliens i don't know well i mean you're not wrong there because he was also familiar with the vulgate bible which was a big deal at the time in the 14th century and yeah. mystical theology which again points to a more formalized education but also aliens cool so it's ancient aliens just kidding they're actually secretly racist and not secretly, secretly. Racist. <laughs> I was say, also not secretly racist so do All we right. want to talk about the translators now yes do you want to talk about your girl? Uh, I'll save that for the end. Let's go through in the pecking order. Okay. So we have Sir Madden, who was part of that cotton collection discovery and printing. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse Weston, who I have not read this version. As you have noted, they take a lot of liberties. Or I, I don't know if I noted whatever. Um, Tolkien has a version. Um, yes. Which was done with somebody else as well. And you can see a lot of the... Elements in the Cimmerillion, as well as other. North I was about to say, so much of this just reads like Tolkien. Well, and so that's the thing. Like for a while, um, because he spent so much time on it, and apparently, didn't he like do his master's or doctoral thesis on part of this as like part of his that or Beowulf? Because I know he was obsessed with Beowulf. I think it was Beowulf. But I wouldn't be shocked if I would not be shocked if we found out it was this. But I think yeah. it was Beowulf. But he like spent a lot of time like doing a super dedicated hardcore Middle English. But then again, he was literally like a linguistics expert by this time when he was working on this. And he was also a nerd. He well, started the yeah. Viking Club. 
Yeah. And then and then we had uh, Simon Armitage, who uh, was big on keeping the alliteration. Um, I I don't know about this comment, but was apparently also very funny uh, when talking about like reading it. Yeah, he talks about it a lot with BBC interviews and things like that, and is just hysterically funny. Okay. And then we have Marie Boroff, which is the translation we read. And so, um, full faith and disclosure, this translation is considered to be, like, the one to read for multiple reasons. One is, like, um, one of the the go-to English, like, lit, Brit lit, like, literature books, the academic resource, <laughs> cites her as, like, the go-to reference. Um, she spent a lot of time with this text, like, wrote a lot of papers about it, and spent a lot of time, like, basically doing modernization of it while maintaining, like, historical accuracy of it. Um, also was a distinguished scholar at Yale, did a lot of cool stuff while being an American, which is kind of hard to believe. Um, also lived to be 95, which was a very good run. Um, That's a pretty good run, yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a lot about her. I highly recommend the, the uh, Yale news article after her death. Um, they did a whole like synopsis of her life. She lived a very mm-hmm. cool and interesting life, but like, this was her best known work besides also working on Patience and Pearl. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty sure that article will be in show notes. Yep. Yay. This is also the that they had us read in Britlet when I was in college. So. Yes. Same. It's the recommended. <laughs> All right. Okay. We talked about how the movie was and was not a fever dream. Uh, are there any other points on the movie? I will say I have not watched the movie just because uh, I have finite hours of my life and I did not want to spend it with this. Uh, (laughs) But I have heard a lot of the things that you guys have said, that it is a bit of a fever dream. A lot of people are just watching it for Dev Patel. Uh, Or Alicia Vikander. Yeah, or Alicia Vikander. Mostly people just watching it for Dev Patel because that's the side of the internet that I'm on. Um, Also, the Green Knight is kind of hot. Not not the not the Green Knight, Green Knight, but like his Bertilac. Yeah, Bertilac is. Yeah, he he's he's a tasty morsel. I would on on the scale of one to hot, he's mostly hot. But if you've seen the movie The Witch, you're gonna automatically be like, oh. Okay, Uh, but it was also adapted twice for the BBC and two other times in film. Uh, mm-hmm. The other two versions are not well known and not well regarded and not well reviewed. So, if you're looking for a quick and easy, like, I don't want to read this slosh, I'd rather watch it. I would highly recommend the BBC TV versions over any of the films. Right, I, I agree with that. Unless you really want to see Sean Connery. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, Sean Connery is pretty pretty good. And I willing I have included those links in our show notes too. So if you really want to watch some of these movies, you're welcome to. But again, I agree with Jason's recommendation. If you're wanting to avoid reading, which you should just read it, you can get an audiobook version of it. It's super short and sweet. Um, yeah, it's only two thousand. It's only two thousand lines and in four parts. So you can knock it out in a thirty minute period if you are 
a speed reader if you are not a speed reader like the boroff version that uh that tori and i have is literally like it's 75 pages and if you read the end notes it turns into 78 gasp and um, the end notes will tell you a lot yes yeah, i'm pretty sure we've demanded more strenuous reading from people i'm almost 100 percent sure that we've demanded way more strenuous reading True, but like this is actually pretty well covered and thoroughly covered. I think Tori, you mm -hmm. and I both had to do this multiple times. Um, I am like you, I forgot how much I love this, but then again, I also remembered how much time was spent on things like the hunt and the donning oh, yeah. of Gawain's armor. And I was like, oh yeah, that was in here. I just rather get to the beheading portion um, or the great game, which isn't really a game it's more just uh uh hot desserts wife just basically chasing Gawain around um i also there's actually an abridged version of this book i don't recommend it because it basically dumbs it down but i had a very let's just say advanced uh english lit teacher in middle school who made us read the abridged version which basically excluded everything with the hunt and the wife and basically just said yeah the wife gave him a girdle and Gawain didn't tell Bertilak about it hence why he ended up with the neck wound and basically bridges over everything that is mostly important about everything that went on there but considering it's middle schoolers and they don't want to talk about sex you know I was gonna say also known as the Texas adaptation yeah more or less let's go there all right the all-important question, which we've covered a multiplicity of times in this episode. Did we have to read this in school? I absolutely did not. And I actually think I dislike both of you considerably more having made me read this. At least I'm not making you read War and Peace for my birthday month. You keep saying that, like, somehow that's worse. Uh, also, Tori, I forgot our, our mandatory salutations and greetings for fellow Sagittarians and high-functioning anxiety people. The, the jacket should be in the Redbubble store. I mean, yes. yes. <laughs> Welcome to the high-functioning anxiety club. Yay! Size and Cancerian. <laughs> Celebrates in Sagittarian. <laughs> yeah. T tired Cancerian here. All right. Uh, but you two clearly had to read this and emphatically, apparently, like it. Uh, so I'm willing to assume that I am wrong. <laughs> So, so we will not say you are not wrong. You, you definitely, your opinion is both valid and legitimate. Thank but you. like from a standpoint of importance of middle English literary works, this is mm -hmm. actually pretty important. It bridges, oh, sure. it bridges one of those gaps that was considered lost to time. And sure. thank God for the Cotton Nero AX collection, because without it, we probably wouldn't have as much as we do on the nightly virtues in the 13th mm -hmm. and 14th century. So absolutely. Like, I'm, I, I totally understand it mattering. Yeah. yeah like, I, 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 I totally get it mattering. Yeah. Praise me for that. Also, if your English teacher makes you read patience or Pearl, shoot them in the head. No, we no, no. We live in a post Columbine world. We can't say that. Okay. <laughs> she was great. She was a wonderful teacher. It made it, it made it entertaining, but Pearl is not something, if you had to choose between Gawain and this, I would go with Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. It's like in, intense PR Amanda moment. No, we live in a post-Columbine world. We can't say that because some 
fucking loser is going to be like, oh, the podcast said I can. And we're going to get sued. And I feel like I I just need to clarify. I love the Jews and I am partially Ashkenazi. So I've also been drinking meat. So uh, apologies there. I would have I would have probably said something more along the lines of just yell at your teacher in Middle English. There we go. And or, perfectly acceptable. Or break out the Milton and basically be like, I curse at thee in Milton knees. Yeah, that those are perfectly acceptable solutions. We cannot we I've spoken with the legal department, that is me. I cannot say do violence against your teacher with guns. Uh, I like that we've now established a legal department. <laughs> Amanda von Helsing says you can't tell people to shoot their teachers with guns. Don't no, we're not. We're we. I know we live in Texas, but we are not advocating for shooting anybody. Yeah. So <laughs> and, unless we're talking, and, unless we're talking camera picture shooting. Yes, yes. that's where. That's well, fine. with their consent. Yes, with consent. Always with consent. Full PR, Amanda activated. <laughs> like no, no, no. <laughs> Just fever so, backpedaling. So, so, sorry, sorry, Amanda. I did not mean to do that, but yes. <laughs> Congratulations, I you get to see work, Amanda, where it's just an episode of Scandal with less nice clothes. But but Patience and Pearl, bad. Sir Gawain, good. Uh, it's all a slippery slope. It's Well, Cleanliness is a weird read. If you've ever had the chance to read it, read it. It's actually pretty short, but it's kind of dumb. I can say that about a lot of things, including some of my exes. Okay. Short but dumb? Short? Yeah. <laughs> Don't I know the last one of your guy exes? that I was speaking to? Don't don't oh. I know one of your exes? You know probably a few of my exes. Oh yeah, good point. You probably know a few of my exes, especially the last boy that I was talking to. Short and kind of dumb. I'm just saying you dodged a matrix style bullet with that. I absolutely did. Don't ever tell a girl have a nice life with a smiley face. Don't. B- by do the that. way, by the way, cheers on that. Skull. Skull. <laughs> Like, we we definitely did dodge a bullet there. Uh, you are completely correct. Uh, was in over his head, which was actually probably not a lot because he was short. Um, <laughs> I'm going to see myself out. <laughs> Apparently, Mead, we're, we're now an hour and 25 minutes into this. Uh, Mead makes us lucid or loosey-goosey. I don't know which. Probably a switch to both. It's, uh, it's a poetry spit. It really was. Like, it was It was good. That was good. I have to, I would give myself a pat on the back if my arms could reach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you just accuse yourself of having T-Rex arms? I do! It's not an <laughs> accusation if it's true. So basically, she is, she is like creep number one if you've ever seen, like, the Lonely Island creep video, like... I just, I'm doing my best over here with the short arms God gave me. Uh, we have some resources. Those will all be listed, of course, in show notes, including the beheading game, which doesn't sound like a game. It sounds like murder. Except it wasn't. It, but it's also Irish. Also, we need to talk a little bit about the Welsh. The Welsh were super cool. They didn't have the witch, witch hunts. They didn't. Okay. Yeah. And because pretty much everybody was practicing some form of witchcraft. Yeah, and, and, and well, it's kind of hard to have a witch hunt if everyone's a witch. Well, here's the, here's the funny thing too. Uh, again, a little bit of history and a little bit of English politics at the time. England relied on Wales because of Liverpool. It was the only functional city at the time during the witch hunts. 
They yeah. decided to invade Scotland because Scotland was a land of heathens and degenerates. And because England's and the Scots never got along ever, they just said, you're a whole bunch of witches. Let's just go there and invade and claim everybody's a witch and basically go, Wells, we see what you're doing over there. We don't care. You're making us money. Yep. Yeah. And we're not going to talk any further on that subject lest we piss off everyone. <laughs> And we have nothing else to say on that topic, lest we completely alienate a portion of our audience on either side. Our feelings are what your feelings are. Please don't be mad at us over the complicated state of politics in a world that is not ours and is too postmodern for its own good. Except we're not talking about the now, we're talking about the then. Everything is now! Just a, just a tip. If you ever go to Scotland and you were an American... Don't start telling Scottish people that you're related to Mary Queen of Scots or Robert the Bruce or William Wallace or any random historical what, what figure that you've heard. Do that? Just don't do it. What Ameri- also, what? If you go there and say you're Scotch-Irish, they just look at you and say, no, friend, you're American. So just, just a reminder, go, be polite, be willing to listen, and be willing to drink. Uh, also, have the fried Snickers or fried Yes, bar. worth it. Yes. Yeah. And and if you're and if you're in the if you're in the Midlands of Scotland or find yourself in the uh, Valley of the Deer, make sure you go to the Glenfiddich factory. It is highly worth a visit. And if you end up on the Orkney Islands, God bless you. Uh, Spectacle testicles, wallet and watch. Go to the breweries. But whatever you do, don't ride the goddamn boat. Ride the boat. Uh, No, trust me. You do not ride the boat. That is the. That is and the I North Sea. You will get seasick. Like oh, yeah. only Absolutely. true Scots will be able to stomach that boat ride. I guarantee it. Sometimes that's what I watch. I'm not George dirt. Zimmer, but I've had mead. So. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, Tori, what are we reading next? Because we hate ourselves, we're reading the Odyssey. There is a wishbone episode about this. Yay! And hopefully y'all won't be drinking mead or anything from ancient Greece. Listen, the wine dark sea. Also, I still have a lot of um, of what were we drinking for? Uh, Uzo? Uzo. I have a lot of Uzo. Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, no, no. If, if you're reading the Odyssey, I hate to say it, but gin is actually welcome here because don't forget they were high off juniper. So gin is a relatively... I appreciate you. Yeah, we do have gin. Gin we can manage. Um, also, I just bought a bottle of Lunar Hendrix. Highly recommend. It. Highly very, recommend. It's very, very good. Uh, all right. Tori, where can the good people find us? We're all over social media. We are at Unfortunately Required Reading on Facebook. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. RR on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately Required on Instagram. Or go mm-hmm. to one spot, unfortunatelyrequiredreading.com. And if you yes. really want to send us a message... I will try to check our email more than once a month. Um, that's at unfortunately required reading at gmail.com. Yeah, uh, I'm usually more I'm active honest. on Twitter. Yeah, you are honest. Uh, I'm usually more active on Twitter. I apologize for not being this weekend. Animal Crossing came out and it has absorbed my life. Pokemon comes out next in a couple of weeks. So we'll see how that goes. It'll be fine. It'll be great. Uh, you are welcome to support the podcast uh, financially at anchor.fm slash unfortunate required reading you may join the hallowed ranks of the baron von cheese plate and possibly earn your spot 
on the show because you decided to give us money, Kitty. And I felt like Jason needed to have an emo sighting. Nemo's great. Nemo. He looks Nemo like he doesn't want to be here. He looks like he doesn't want to be here. No, Nemo. Nemo's. A- well, actually, I think Nemo's watching something. Nemo sees something. Nemo sees a ghost. No, I don't know. I don't think it's a ghost. It's moving around too much. Where's River? Uh, she's downstairs sleeping somewhere. That sounds lovely right now. As uh, long-time listeners know, Tori has two cats. One of them loves me very much, and the other doesn't like to acknowledge that I exist. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't acknowledge anyone exists except Mama and Daddy. Uh, also, is- also, I would like to take this opportunity as one of the contributors to this lovely podcast. Do your yes. best to support the pod. It may not necessarily be monetarily, but send a note, send a kind word. It is always welcome and appreciated. I know I annoy Amanda constantly with my comments on the pod, but I'm sure it's also in a weird sort of Cancerian place, a welcome, enjoyable word most of the time. I don't know about And your money is even more enjoyable. So Hey, hey. I, I, I wasn't going to go there because not everyone can support the pod fiscally. You must understand, while I am a cancer, I am also first and foremostly a Slytherin. Yes, and, so you also live, do... and you also live in a capitalistic society, so support capitalism, yeah. support the pod. Yeah, except... buy a t-shirt, buy a sticker. <laughs> You know. Redbubble store. Oh, what was what was the one that we made about the temptress or whatever? Oh, duplicitous sex monster. I'll get that up. Duplicitous today. sex monster. That one's now in the shop. Yeah, it will be up in the shop fu- later on today. Yeah, high high functioning uh, sports jacket should be up soon. I've kept reminding Amanda about it. It's been a year. You we, have. We still- I'm pretty sure there's something in there, but I might be able to redo it. All right. Um, Next episode, as you said, we're going to cover the Odyssey. Be prepared for whinging in Greek. (laughs) (laughs) And I won't be there. Thank goodness. Ah! I'm now going to disappear back into the shadows like Homer Simpson into the hedge bush. I will be back maybe next year if if Tori mentions something again in July. I'm like, I miss Baron Von Cheeseplate and I'll just reappear. (laughs) Replay that meme in reverse. Yes. It is so nice to have somebody else who as is as ridiculously obsessive about texts as I am, because I know I annoy the crap out of Amanda. Where I'm like, I'm you're really meticulous about some text. No, no, no. I will not accept this slander. You it's are just obsessive about the text. I don't give a hoot about. <laughs> I'm obs- yeah. Well, that's that's fair. You tend to be like, like, here's this thing that I'm really into, and I'm like, I read it. Here's some notes. Yeah. You you are obsessive over the text that I would use as toilet paper and not feel bad. That's the problem. I will not accept this slander that I am somehow less of a word nerd. I'm not, I'm not saying you're less of a word nerd. You're just not at the point where you're so ridiculously obsessive that you feel like you need to read JSTOR for four hours. So, so I mean, I, not anymore. I mean, so y'all could both read A.J. Hackwith's Libra- Hell's Library series and probably would both enjoy it immensely. Yes. Also, Jason, thank you for the book. Some of them already came in, and now I have nothing else to do this weekend. Uh, so, <laughs> probably diving into the Resurrectionist first. Uh, thank you all for listening. It has been a wonderful time uh, having Baron Von Cheeseplate back within our hallowed halls. And by hallowed halls, I mean uh, in our own homes, respectively. We are working on a strategy of getting us back in studio mutually, which involves me cleaning my apartment in a way that seems like a fit of madness. Uh, right now, I'm currently living very much like Mrs. Havisham, including a dying bouquet of flowers. 
Where's the cake? Is there a cake on your table? No, but there are royal dance cookies in the tent. <laughs> True. She did, does she did show up. she did show the cookies at the start of the pod. But there are royal dance cookies in a ten. Uh stay safe out there, guys. Uh just remember the pandemic is not over just because you're over it. Get your booster if you are eligible. Uh I have a trip plan next year, so if you guys fuck this up for me, I swear to God, I'm going to fight all of you. Uh, Again, we do not advocate violence on the pod. I'll go ahead and assume full disclosure. No, no, no. I advocate violence against those unvaccinated. Okay, so I'll mostly agree with that. But again, yes. we do we do not advocate full violence. Just yeah, no, no full verbal violence. violence verbal yeah, violence. Verbal, yeah, verbal violence is use more Milton than for insults. Yes, use, use Milton, Milton for insults. Use Milton as a bludgeoning tool. Well, that too. I think you'd appreciate that. Um, Just make sure you remove the nails from the book first before bludgeoning. Remove some of the nails from the book before bludgeoning. Uh, (laughs) Keep the gin bottle in, remove nails. Drink the gin bottle, keep in some nails. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back at the end of the month. Uh, It is also our anniversary. Happy anniversary, Victoria. Happy birthday, y'all. Yes, uh, we are three years old. I don't know how these... Yes. Our, this year's dead and breakfast sign, which needs to still go up in the library. <laughs> yeah. We also have matching pumpkins that say 100% unfortunate souls. Uh, thank you, Target and capitalism. Uh, also, happy birthday to Victoria. I know it's not your birth month yet, because yes. it's my birth month now. Hers it is, is <laughs> in... But happy birthday to my fellow Sagittarian and high-functioning anxiety person. Yes. I, I I will let Tori or Amanda sign. I will let Tori or Amanda again because I want the brownie points. I will let y'all sign off, and I'll just oh, pull Simpson you. into the hedge bush. Yes, thank you for giving us the authority to sign off our own fucking show. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it, colonizer. Thank you for letting us end my own damn show. For the love of God, go read a book.